The night was cold and dark when I entered it, so I waited for the cab against the sandstone wall of my lifeless apartment complex. I tried in vain to hide from the icicles that blew through the night air, turning this way and that as the direction inverted itself, all the while desperately trying to keep my cigarette alive. My driver pulled up in a tattered vehicle, the suspension showing the wear and tear of our ever-ballooning population. Inside the vehicle, the radio chatted loudly in conversation I couldn't quite understand. I think it was English, but my head got like this when it was too full. Unable to differentiate between certain words, sounds people made, what they tried to convey to me. The old Kodak factory, I told the driver. This was where I'd been shown to start the unloading process, and I was in dire need of relief. I slumped my full weight into the spongy backed chair and hoped in vain the headache would subside. It never did. Nothing I could drink or swallow or smoke ever got rid of the sharp stabbing pains behind my eyes. Only this clandestine activity seemed to take a load off my burdened mind. I had what people had called a photographic memory. This was a wonderful quirk when I showed people I could memorize how many coffee beans were on a tray after only looking for a second or two. Or when I recalled in sharp detail exactly the outfit they'd been wearing last time we crossed paths. Lately though, it had become significantly harder to store all the memories, and I felt like my head was filling faster than usual. The cab finally lurched to a stop after a seemingly unending trip, and I quickly swiped my card while ignoring how much it cost. I tried to blend into the night and avoid the gaze of anyone with an eyesight as I walked behind the abandoned building. The poor film industry had died due to the average consumer, and most of the windows in the old factory had been smashed out, giving the building the awful gap-toothed smile of a carnival clown. Around the back of the factory, I found the guard's tower that sat at the front of an empty parking lot. A woman sat in the tiny room, thumbing through a magazine. It was something tacky, just enough to help her empty the burdens of her mind onto someone else's misfortune. The title on the front said, Help! My boyfriend left me for my stillborn conjoined twin. It showed a shocked woman staring with jealousy at the sultana-like head that was drooping on her shoulder. Name? Her speaker buzzed at me. 04086. Benson. I just need to unload. Without looking up at me, she pushed a black hood through the small slot at the bottom of her glass divider into a scratched and grimy metal tray. Judging by her movements, this was one of the biggest inconveniences she'd faced in her 60 plus years on Earth. Put it on, you know the drill, she said. I slipped it over my face and inhaled the smell of the sweaty memories of other overburdened people. It was as opaque as it gets, and I was thrown into a perpetual midnight. Suddenly, two sets of hands grabbed my shoulders and we began to walk. This was protocol, unfortunately. I'd be walked along and guided quite roughly, to the processing rooms. We walked down alleys, and the sound told me that the walls were getting tighter and tighter. We took stairs both upwards and downwards, and at one point, squeezed sideways through a very warm area that smelled wonderfully of the hot air a laundromat produces. They did this to protect the other people who had to use this service. They couldn't have the location getting out. Think of how important all of those stored artifacts would be to the world at large. After my disorientating and jarring jaunt, we finally reached the lab. Just a few more stumbling steps, 
and I was thrown onto a massage table, complete with a hole to put my face through. You can take that off now, said a voice. I removed my hood and adjusted my eyes to the aesthetic lighting in the room. The main source was the blinding fluorescent magnifying light that was pointing directly at my face. Back so soon? A silhouette asked from beyond the lights, not looking in my direction. This was my processor. Things were flipped in this room, and he was the one wearing a tasteful balaclava, hiding all but his eyes. I'm filled to the brim, I said. Just lie down, he suggested. I couldn't make out his expression beyond the balaclava. I switched from my seated position into a horizontal one, though this only served to send more blood into my already tender head. With my face through the hole, staring down at the floor, I prepared for the unpleasant process. I saw the technician's feet slide within my limited view and heard him swing across his tray of tools. He started parting my hair, slowly, at the back. Each hair felt like it was connected straight to a powerful pain receptor as it fired daggers through my synapses. This is always the worst bit, he said. He fished about for the right tool on his little tray, and finally, after the clattering seemed ready to make my head explode, he settled on something long and cold. He pushed it into the metallic plate on the back of my head, sliding it slowly across the surface to find the countersunk screws. Slowly, slowly he began unscrewing them, one by one. Each twist of the tool made my eyes register pain, and lightning bolts danced across my ocular nerves. Only when the last screw was removed, and he began to take off the entire plate, I felt a wave of relief. Like the ancient trepanning rituals of Egypt, I suddenly felt light and free as the back of my head was exposed to the world. You a fool, he said, almost impressed. He removed the long roll of film that was spooled up inside my brain cavity. The operation to become part camera had seemed ingenious at the time. Imagine a life not forgetting any special moment. Unfortunately, as things had become increasingly bleak in my empty life, my love of this surgery had waned. The technician gingerly handled the roll of film and walking out of the door said, I'll be back when it's processed. I lay there, alone with my thoughts. I tried to think about where everything had gone wrong. College? I couldn't quite remember what had happened. Now I tried to focus in on it. That had all been processed in a session about 15 years ago. I could vaguely recall the feeling of being there, of trying to find myself, but I couldn't picture it. Next, I tried to think about my first serious partner. That came up equally foggy. I could remember the feeling of my love for her, the initial excitement when we'd met, and a vague feeling of us growing apart. But I couldn't remember her face, her body, what she'd worn on special occasions. I'd had a processing session soon after we'd broken up, and with all the foresight of a damaged 22-year-old, I'd thrown all the film from this era into a bonfire when I was drunk with friends. That was their way of forgetting. This was mine. The technician stepped back into the room. I was stuck in this prone position while I waited for the film in my head to be replaced. We've got a lot here, Benson. A lot of interesting stuff. What do you recall about this? He slipped a tray under my face hole, scattered with a few photos. It was a party I'd been to three or four weeks ago. That was fun, 
I said. Josh's party, about three or four weeks ago? The technician flipped over the photo and read the date aloud. November 8th. That was three months ago. That didn't seem right. I couldn't believe that much time had elapsed between this event and today. He pulled the tray away, shuffled some more stills, and replaced the tray under my face hole. And these? He inquired. My mind took a second to place the pictures. That's a date I went on. We had a great time. Cocktails and dinner in a pretty new restaurant, I said, the memories coming back in waves. The technician prodded further. So you enjoyed yourself then? You sure of that? Definitely, definitely. We even plan to have another date soon, I remembered. The trolley underneath my face was wheeled out once again. I heard more quick shuffling, and a collection of new photos made its way back into place. The pictures were bland. Me looking at my phone. I was looking at my banking app, at the deductions from the date night. What were you feeling here? The technician prodded. I felt... disappointed. Dinner and cocktails. All up it had come to $320, which seemed... I struggled to think of the right words for it. Overpriced, the technician suggested. He had a point. Despite my initial feelings of the date being fun, the prices had made me question if it was really that fun, or if the powerful and pricey cocktails we'd enjoyed had skewed my perception. The fallibility of memory, the technician began, is one of our biggest downfalls. We seem to remember what we want to remember, or to put it better, we remember how we want to remember. The tray was quickly whisked out again, and replaced with more images. They were of me, my reflection in the bathroom mirror. You told me you didn't want these last time you were here, the technician said. These are just the random shots you take sometimes. They must have been recent. They looked identical to how I pictured myself now. Tall, thin, brown hair, stubble on my face. I wasn't sure of his point. The tray did its disappearing act again, and returned with a confusing selection of imagery. The man in them was hunched, slightly overweight, hair streaked with greys, an equally greying beard on his face. This is you last... Thursday. Recognize him? But I didn't. How had I erased my own face from my memory? How did I seem to paint a picture for myself of a younger, healthier man, only to find this aging body in its place? Why were the lines forming around my eyes, my forehead, my mouth? I was shocked and lay still, confused. Now, do you want me to reload the film? The technician asked. I couldn't face the reality of what I'd been shown. Why was time passing so fast? Why was I rewriting my memories to make my life seem better than it was? How was I aging before my very eyes? all while ignoring the signs. Well, he asked. I sat in my little spot outside the local shopping centre, the cardboard flooring beneath me, acting as a life raft for myself and all my worldly possessions. I had my backpack, a lunch that had been given to me by a local food outreach program, and a radio. It was playing songs I remembered from my childhood, and they made me happy. 
the only people still listening to these devices were equally searching for a nostalgic escape to a simpler time. As I was leaving the office, the technician had offered me a new service. We can replace the film in your head with all the old photos we've been collecting. I'd been visiting the lab since I was young. My entire life had been documented in random snippets, and unknown to me, they'd saved them. He could replace my new film with these, and instead of living a new life, I could recede into my past and relive it all again. Slowly flicking through the snapshots of a time I remembered as being much better. Who was I to say no? I rocked slightly back and forth, smiling. A light rain falling on my ill-clothed body. I remembered the happiness of being a child, of my first time riding a bike, of a hug from my mother. People looked down at me in pity, but they couldn't see my inner happiness 